All right, I gotta know. Yes, I'm about to activate it. No, 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 not that. What the hell does Cree mean? Well, actually, it means a lot of things. Um, loosely translated, it means uh, attention, listen up, concentrate. You who? Yes, in a manner of speaking. Huh. Okay. Here goes. Ramble on about the episode Allegiance from Season 6 of Stargate SG-1. Written by Peter DeLuise, directed by Peter DeLuise. They really just let him loose on this one. Please excuse me, I am sick with a cold today. It's not COVID. I keep testing and it's definitely not. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I've been very busy with work lately and... Obviously, I'm sick and I'm off work, so you know that makes it the ideal time to do Stargate. But obviously, it's not my ideal voice to do Stargate with you. So please excuse me. I'll try not to sniff and cough in your ear holes. <laughs> the episode begins in a random medical camp, which we of course recognize is the pit that they film everything in. This is the same pit location that they use for every other episode. And if you look closely, it's pretty obvious you can put it together like this is where they filmed the pilot episode children of the gods <laughs> here we are again <laughs> excuse me just had to cough there i've got my uh, lemony drink so we have five points because master braytac is in the episode he features heavily in this one it's a great one um We've got a Zaytark detector, or Xanax, as we know it, from um, that episode on Divide and Conquer, Line of Duty, something like that, upgrades. Anyway, um, and it's established straight away that Jaffa and Tokra do not get along, and that's really the whole thing about this episode, is that uh, Earth is trying to go around the galaxy making these alliances, but uh, there's no connective tissue. Tokra and Jafar are not natural allies. Uh, it's only the Tauri that glues them together, and that's pretty tenuous. Um, SG-12 is wiped out. That's grim. Gloss over that one. How many times does a whole SG team get wiped out and one survivor comes back and says, They're gone! <laughs> oh dear. Um, five points because Jacob Carter is in the episode. He's the counterpoint for Master Braytac, and Peter DeLuise was saying it's time we bring these two together in an episode. Um, and of course, uh, we get the little talking information exposition that Jonas is not available for this episode. He will not be appearing, which is great because uh, he would introduce a yet another alien race. <laughs> into the mix, where we're already talking about how these alien races don't mix. It's probably more appropriate, story-wise, for his voice to be left out of this one. It's just a three-way uh, argument. We don't need a fourth party. <laughs> but anyway, it's the Alpha site, the much-talked-about little scene Alpha site, where um, everything's top secret. <clears throat> You know, I have lots of things to say, like, why is there no iris at the Alpha site? 
for goodness sakes. You know, why is there not a proper control room set up at the Alpha site, for goodness sakes? Wouldn't that be the first thing you build rather than all of the, you know, the buildings, the outbuildings, the holding cells, the interrogation rooms, the medical chambers? Why not build a proper Stargate control room? And you all long-time listeners, will know my uh, <laughs> long-standing rant about the Alpha site. Why the hell... This is the standard rant. Why the hell does anyone ever go to Earth? Why isn't every mission run from the Alpha site? Why doesn't the Earth gate remain closed to everybody except for going to and from the Alpha site when people go on their shift once a week and then come home and come off shift, you know? That would be the way to run this that makes sense, that minimizes your exposure, that more, you know, the more number of times you open the gate to Earth, the more risks of invisible ghoulies coming through and infecting everything and destroying your shit. Everything should be going to this Alpha site. Grr. It really grinds my gears. <laughs> if I ever get the chance to ask one of the writers, I'll, uh... I'll put it to them. Mm. And of course, the um, <clears throat> the people in this episode are the Jafar warriors from the episode The Warrior, the ones who do all the spinny fighting that we, uh, at the end of the episode, Emotep, the gold, <laughs> the mummy, excellent, um, betrayed them and their planet was being bombed and stuff by the Lord Yu, I believe. And um, uh, they had to run away, and Tilk's like, trust me, I am your new leader, and whatnot. And then there's that other guy who's the, like, mini Tilk, who's <laughs> also now their leader. And here they are, this is where they ended up. They took refuge on Earth's protected planet, the Alpha site. And poor Colonel O'Neill, he is really just in the middle of this big, <laughs> big fuck around. <laughs> and he is ill-suited to be in that position. He is very much the war maker, not the peacemaker. That is not the role that he plays in any, on any planet. He is not a peacemaker. He's definitely the, you know, if he's the judge of anything, you bring a problem to him, he's one of those judges who's going to be like, screw all of you, cut it in half. No one gets anything. <laughs> but I just thought it really highlighted how there is no Daniel Jackson. This would really be a key Daniel Jackson episode where he has the moral arguments, the intellectual arguments, the the stories, the power of like storytelling to each side to to weave everybody together with those connective tissues I mentioned earlier. No Daniel Jackson, not even a Jonas Quinn who would be a poor imitation. I mean, he might have some perspective to share in this episode like I left my homeland. Can you know, I committed myself to the tower. Can't you do the same? But uh, they already have Tilk to say that, so I don't know. No Daniel, no Jonas, no one but poor Colonel O'Neill to <laughs> try his best to figure out this, oh, this big mess. Um, tensions are high and everything's falling apart and now sabotage. That's what I wrote down in my notes. Yes, as if it wasn't hard enough, now there's an assassin running loose. Um, one point for the front gate stock footage guys as we see a little 20 second clip of General Hammond and Jonas Quinn back at the SGC being left out of everything. Um, Colonel O'Neill is basically explaining to them that basically we're stuck here and we're going to have a fun whodunit episode. It's a classic mystery. <laughs> Find the assassin. Um, what have we got? We've got, uh, 
Oh my gosh, I just realized I made a big mistake with the points. <laughs> I was giving some points here, though I shall now retract them and forget all about them, because I thought at the time, it, when they screened with the Xanax machine, the Zetog, the first Jafar guy, the blondie, I really, really thought that actor was the actor from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the episode The Swedes, where, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, you should see it, it's a very good one. Uh, when her partner was trying to conceive, <laughs> they had problems. They didn't even need to come and ask for my sperm. I already had it ready for them in a Tupperware. <laughs> That's my Swedish impression from the episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine called The Swedes. But anyway, it's not that actor. It's just a very similar guy, so ignore that. It was just a fun little thing in my imagination only, not yours. Um, we've got five points for a director cameo, because Peter DeLuise is the voiceover guy when he's not in the scene when Jack O'Neill says, Take them to the holding cell. Take this guy to the holding cell. And the soldier says, Yes, sir. And escorts the Jafar guy out. It's not Peter DeLuise in the scene, but it's him doing the voiceover. Yes, sir. Um... We got 10 points here uh, because of the uh, discussion about false positives on the Zaytarg machine and the, there's that little, it's literally just a, a wink, a blink of the eye, a side-eye glance but shared between Carter and O'Neill when they say, it can give false positives, we've had trouble with this before, <laughs> you know, when we were both in love with each other and trying to hide it and trying to get past the, the Heidi machine, yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. And then, the <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my god. And then there's been more murder, this time a Tokra. Oh no, this time a Jafar. The Jafar who supposedly murdered the Tokra, so I guess he didn't do it or something. And it's a big Mexican standoff with two lines of people all about to shoot everything. And they finally realize it's someone or something that's external to the group. And here they're kind of the uh, dynamic of the episode changes, and it's no longer the three-way argument. It's the, um, it actually turns into Predator, doesn't it? <laughs> um, and I gave it ten points for the obvious rip-off, a very egregious homage to Predator, where the invisible, stocky assassin is hiding in the trees with this super blue, shiny vision. <laughs> And you can insert your best Arnold Schwarzenegger get to the chopper voice right here. You're an ugly motherfucker. Um, here we go. As the groups of three people search around the forest, one Tokra, one Jafar, one Tauri, I realize that there's actually some red shirts in this episode. So the first two guys to die are red shirts, the Tokra and the Jafar, so that's two points. And then there's one of these teams is three more red shirts, so three more points. And here, um, Master Braytac get the, gets the uh, the jingle jangles, the spidey senses, the tingles down his spine, and realizes it's an invisible thing coming from the sky, and then has this cool invisible fight, and pulls out his knife and is about to... Anyway, he gets his butt kicked. 
I gave it five points because the episode features invisibility or out of phase stuff. Um, what are we on? <laughs> the next scene where um, Teal'c is choking that Tokra to death. <laughs> Colonel O'Neill is just standing there swatting flies away. Why? What? Does this planet have blowflies? Houseflies? Manure flies? What, what what flies are on this planet? <laughs> but anyway, the, it really actually summed up this entire episode as Curl O'Neill trying to swat these problems away from him. <laughs> and you got to really, really love that, that line he has where um, you have to tell Tilk to stop killing him. Tilk, stop. You know, he just doesn't care. He's not really telling him. And that is straight out of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, of course. Gene Wilder, when he sees all the children going mad and being greedy and exactly the way he planned things, or, <laughs> you know, stop, wait, no, come back, don't. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then then what happens is just kind of action and mystery and tension all the way to the end. Um, really love that line. You're making the invisible guy visible? Yes, sir, that's all I need! And then, of course, uh, the, they really sum up the science talk with the nanometer modulator thing. Or, you know, if you can see it, you can shoot it! Which is really the Jack O'Neill philosophy in a nutshell, isn't it? It's kind of like, uh, you know, greedy eating. I like seafood. I see food, I eat food. <laughs> I can see it, I shoot it. <laughs> um, here, here I wrote a little side note. The background extra, there's a lady, Jafar, with dark hair, slim and attractive. Is she later appearing in an episode on her own as Tilk's lover? Is that what's gonna happen? Remember there's like a... If you've seen Stargate before, of course. There's like an Amazon Jafar planet. Is she gonna be... Or does she just have a resemblance? Or am I even thinking of the the Lady Jafar who tempted Teal'c away from his wife in the episode Crossroads all the way back when? Um, anyway, I feel like I recognize her and it was bugging me every time I saw her. Um... And here we are again at the end of the episode. It's, uh... <laughs> Teal has to say something to unite the Jafar, and it's a classic Stargate farewell speech, because Braytek's dead. We will fight on in his memory. It's like he's not really God. He didn't die in vain. <laughs> and it's finally revealed through talking and figuring out the mystery. It's an Ashrak, which is something from season two, for goodness sakes. Um... Uh, took them a while to pick up that uh, that loose thread, didn't it? <laughs> it's amazing we don't see more of these actually. Um, and yeah, it's it's actually a little bit. It's a it's a underserved part of Stargate. Um, they talk about it, but we don't see it much. Minor golds, golds who are in the service of other golds. Um, we don't see that much. We really only deal with system lord golds and everyone else has a Jafar. Um, 
But apparently, you know, the system lords let this happen. They let their little squirmy brethren possess humans and then make it clear to them that they are in the service of them. Was that confusing? Anyway, um, the end of the episode, some great 360-degree camera work, right? In this situation, it's just, like, perfect for it. All, all around, could be anywhere, looking over your shoulder, over your back. Um, I got one more point for a red shirt, because there's, uh, when the attack comes, a Jafar accidentally shoots a Tok'ra right in the chest, and that's got to be a kill shot. All the other ones are just beaten up, but that guy's got to be dead. And then just at the end, <laughs> it's really fun, isn't it? The uh, invisible guy is now visible, and Braytac, kaboom, kaboom, with death, grim death in his eyes. And the, the assassin drops dead in front of his smoking weapon, and it's like, he's gonna say something cool, wait for it wait for it, you know, it's it's a real uh, 80s action movie, cool kill wine moment, you know, if he was James Bond, he would have made five quips already, you know, oh, shocking, positively shocking, yeah, <laughs> the Bray Tag, you know, it's just been revoked, <laughs> something like that, <laughs> but nothing comes from Bray Tag. we just get a little story about how he struggled day and night through the forest in a state of near death, and yada yada yada, and a great little speech to sum up at the end. And I don't know if you've seen that thing from The Simpsons, don't thank me, thank the knife. <laughs> you got to see the knife? <laughs> um, in the, the director commentary, it's Peter Delavise talking to Gary Jones for some reason, even though they talk about it in the commentary. Gary Jones is not in this episode. I guess he was just hanging around the uh, audio soundstage. <laughs> but that's a good time as always. Good time we had. Um, and my last note on the page is Tokra in Jack's head, um, which is just something that sort of... It is vaguely uh, dealt with in this episode, the fact that Jack O'Neill has just gone through this terrible thing with a Tokra possessing him and leaving him in a ditch, basically, without any memories or anything. And it, as far as I remember, um, it's not going to come up. I don't know if it's explained, um, but Jack O'Neill does not have the abilities, the spider senses that Braytac and Teal'c and sometimes Samantha Carter have. Um... I don't think that's the case. I think they kind of gloss over it very, very quickly and bury it in the in the canon. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'll be I'll be looking out for that. I guess is all I'm saying. I'll be very curious to see um, if Jack O'Neill is carrying any Tokra stuff around with him, any residue. Anyway. 47 points for this episode. That's very respectable indeed. I remember early on I was saying like. 20 points was a great effort for an episode, and <laughs> now it's just like, bam, 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 points, points, points. Um, I have no idea what the next one is, and um, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, what else? Oh, since we're talking about it, <laughs> we have been talking about it over the past few, I just finished watching season three of For All Mankind. What a shock to find that person on that 
celestial body that I won't spoil. <laughs> it was such a good ending. And then when that other thing happened, the the big thing, <laughs> it caused all the chaos. <laughs> and a certain someone escaped to live in Russia, for goodness sakes. <laughs> it was a good show. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hit me on Twitter if you like. I'm at Cree Cheers. Bye.